microphone. All right, we're, we're talking about the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the announcement that God came to earth. Man, that when man couldn't get to heaven, God came to earth. Lived a sinless life, died for our sins, rose from the grave and offers us the free gift of salvation. Our response to the gospel is believing that what Jesus did for us is enough. Trusting him to save us from our sins and joyfully giving Jesus our lives in surrender to his lordship. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you've ever wondered what is the gospel and you say, it's the good news. It is the good news, but that's the good news. That is the good news. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. Uh, He had never been to that church, nor had he uh, planted that church, but the pastor of the church in Colossae actually came to him in prison and said, we're having issues doctrinally. Can you help us? So Paul actually writes a letter to the church to help the pastor. And he begins to address false teachings that have crept into that church. And uh, we won't go deep into all of this, but basically the teachings were something like this. Jesus is good, but Jesus is good and uh, Jesus is cool, but you're going to need more than Jesus. So they, they are teaching that Jesus is a part of your spirituality, but not the only part of your spirituality. And they bring in, as you read the book of Colossians, you'll see this. They bring astrology, magic, and Judaism into Christianity uh, to have it. It's like Jesus and the stars. By the way, if you look at that stuff, I know no one at the 845 does, but (laughs) you need to stop. Let me just say... You need to stop with all the astrology stuff. Uh, it, was, it was Jesus and magic and different Near Eastern religions. It was Jesus and Judaism. It was these two things combined because basically the teachers were telling the church Jesus isn't enough. So Paul starts giving descriptions of who Jesus is, things like this. He, he declares Jesus is God. Jesus is not a God or, nor, or just simply the son of God. He is God. It was really fun. Last night I flew home. I was preaching in Kansas on Friday night, and I got to sit next to a guy, and as I was preparing my sermon, my Bible opened, and he starts pointing at me. Like he starts pointing at my Bible, and I, I look, and he goes. <laughs> so I pop my headphones off. He, pop, he goes, I'm a Mormon, but I'm not a really good Mormon. <laughs> First words out of his mouth. No, I'm a Mormon, but I'm not a really... He was saying that because he had a beverage that most Mormons... I said, I ain't judging. I said, have your drink. That's all right. He said, he said, is that the Bible? I said, yeah, I'm actually a pastor. He said, oh, my God. I said, you need to come to our church. Our people love to drink. You need to come to... I said, <laughs> I said you need to come to our church. Well, you know, we, we, we love our Mormon friends, but, but our, our Mormon brothers and sisters believe that Jesus was a God and he's a brother of Lucifer. We don't believe that. Jesus is not a God or a created being. Jesus is God. He's the image. In other words, he's God with the face. If you want to know what God looks like, sounds like, feels like, it's Jesus. 
He is God. Jesus is creator, the one whom through God created everything. Jesus is not creation. He is creator. Jesus is savior. He's the head of the church. Jesus is enough all by himself. He is supreme over all. Can we talk about Jesus a little bit? Is that all right? Talk about Jesus. So I'm going to read a lot of scripture because I just think it's important. And then I'm just going to try to break it down a little bit as we go. May God, our Father, give you grace and peace. That if you want to know like the, the tone of the believer, that's what it should, the, the feeling of the believer should be grace and peace. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in Heaven, you have had this expectation. Think about that. They have an expectation of heaven ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us. Watch this. This is, this is you, Christian. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Now, if you want to know what that looks like, now we go to verse 21. This includes you who were far, who were once far away from God. You were his enemies. Notice this. God was not our enemy. We were God's enemies. Watch this. Separated from him by our evil thoughts and actions. Yet now, yet now, as a believer in Jesus, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, as a result of you placing your faith in Jesus, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Some of you are going, I know what I did this morning. And I'm not that. You, you are that. Now, your flesh ain't that yet. And your soul isn't that yet. But that is who you are before God. What holiness is in these big Bible words like holiness, sanctification, purity, repentance. That's us catching up to where our spirit already is. Yeah? So you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. What truth? The, the truth that I'm holy and blameless and stand before God without a single fault. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news that has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Let's talk for a few moments about the gospel of grace. The gospel of grace. Lord, help me to just say what what needs to be said today in the next 30 minutes. This will be a miracle. Amen? Amen. And help our Raiders this year. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. While we're at it, let's all stand and pray. No, just kidding. Okay, just kidding. 
Grace is God's love in action. Grace is God's love expressed. Uh, when God says he loves you, he shows it by giving you grace. Unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. Can't do nothing for it. You just got it. Sorry. It's what your kid had the day you held them and said, I'll die for you. I hope that's how you felt. Like what, whatever. However, whenever. I got you, boo. If, if you felt that for your child on a level that you could never explain or define, God feels that for you. The psalmist said God knows we're dust. He knows we're dust. Which means he is never surprised by your weakness. <laughs> you know you are, right? You're shocked by your weakness. I was surprised this morning. I got cut off this morning and I just I kind of had a little attitude. And I went, man, what, how do you have an attitude going to church to preach? <laughs> this guy just whipped around me and started having a conversation with him. Right there on Warm Springs. I go, why are you in a hurry, bro? I'm talking to him. I'm not yelling. I'm not screaming. I'm not cussing. But I'm just, why are you in a hurry, bro? Worship music blaring. <laughs> Can you imagine? With all that of it. Why are you in a hurry, bro? Where you got to go? It's Sunday morning. Why you got to be in a hurry? I'm just talking to him. And then I'm shocked by my own bad attitude. But God is never surprised by our weakness. Therefore, he is always willing to heal, restore, forgive, and empower us. Religion is due. Grace is done. See, on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Not it's almost finished. Figure out the last part. Right? Jesus didn't say it's 99.9% .9 finished, but there's a 0.1% that I, I hope you, hope you help enough people. I hope you tithe enough. I hope you forgive enough. I hope you pray enough. I hope you, hope you fast enough. No, 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 it's finished. It's finished. It's done. Well, do I have to obey? Do I have to forgive? Do I have to give? Do I have? You, you should want to because it's done. I live from victory, not for victory. I live from grace, not for grace. I live from mercy, not for mercy. I live from my identity, not for identity. Number one, grace saves us. Grace saves us. Grace saves us. It is by grace, through faith, you are saved. Ephesians 2.8. It is by grace, you are saved. It is by grace, you have been saved. I just want this to get in your heart. It is by grace, you have been saved. Saved? Why, why do I need to be saved? Well, let me, let me give you some news. Here's the bad news. We're sinners. This is the bad news. We, we are sinners. Here's the good news. There is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. But we are sinners. You go, I'm not. They are. I'm not. I was married to a sinner. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> 
the people I don't like are, but I'm not. No, we're, we're all sinners. Yeah. Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Here's what this means. If you don't think you're a sinner, you'll never need a savior, which means you'll always reject Jesus. That's why some of you can't worship. You can't worship because you think you're all that. How can I give praise when I want praise? How can I give praise when I'm the hero? (sighs) How can I worship when it's all about me? How can I? See, you'll never worship until you believe in grace. Until you know that you needed a savior. Yeah, it's bad news. You need a savior. You're a sinner. But man, there's good news. God told Adam and Eve right, right from the very beginning, hey guys, all this is yours. Enjoy. Just don't eat that tree. Why did God do that? Because he's holy. Because it's his garden. And he gets to decide. I don't like that God. That's, that's who he is. It wasn't just God giving us choice, though it was. It was God establishing a boundary. I'm God. This whole whole garden's here on lease, (laughs) but I own it. And you not touching that tree proves that you understand that I'm Lord. It's a big deal. It's real. This is real. And so what, what happens? Well, they eat the tree. And, and God said, if you eat that tree, you will die. Well, on the day that they ate the tree, they didn't just die. But a process of death began. A process of sin began. From eating a piece of fruit to Cain killing Abel within just a generation. Does that make sense? Like from, from just a sneak and a bite to murder pretty quick because that's what sin does. Sin grows. Death is always the outcome of sin. Death of relationships, death of joy, death of peace, death of security, death of hope, death of faith. It causes separation from our purpose. So Paul writes in Romans 6 that the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Notice that, that that you don't have to pay for the free gift of God because it's a free gift. So I have to pay. My sin is the work that I'm doing, and I'm going to have to pay for that with death, but What God does for me is not a payment that I earn. It's a free gift that I receive. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm sorry for all these scriptures. Is it okay? We're in church. I'm like apologizing. I'm like, I know I'm giving you a lot of Bible and it's church, so we're not supposed to do that. Uh, Paul said Christ died for our sins. Christ, And don't be overwhelmed. YouTube will be up at 5 p.m. tonight. Watch it again. Okay, don't. Don't take so many notes you lose faith, okay? Just receive, just receive. You know what I'm saying? Somebody's like, what did he just say? What was that? Just relax. Jesus died, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, Jesus died for our sins. 
Jesus died for our sins. It was, it was for our sake, 2 Corinthians 5, 4, it was for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. The righteous became sin so that the sinner could become righteous. As much as Jesus was the sacrifice for sin on the cross, you are now that righteous. The guilty went free, the innocent condemned to die. The cross is the ultimate expression of love. It is the day Jesus said, I love you this much. I love you this much. I love you this much. Wow. And now... Now when I receive that, because grace saves when I receive that, you've now been reconciled. Let's go back to verse 22, Colossians 1.22. You have been reconciled. He has reconciled you to himself. See, the reward of salvation is not heaven, it's him. He doesn't reconcile you to heaven, though we get heaven. In other words, he doesn't reconcile you to a thing. He reconciles you to himself. I love all the blessings of God, but the greatest blessing of God is the source of blessing, the blesser. It's God, and he reconciles you to himself so that you can have relationship with God for yourself. You don't need to go through me. You don't need to go through a priest. You don't need to go through a man of God or a woman of God. You, yourself, get to know God, love God, hear God, walk with God. Okay, you've been, you've been reconciled in his physical body, on the cross, in his death. And as a result, he's brought you into his own presence. I don't know if you remember this, but on the cross, when Jesus said it is finished, and when Jesus died, the scripture said that there was this veil in the temple that separated the people from the presence of God, the people from the Holy of Holies. On the day that Jesus died, the veil tore in two. And, and the, the writer is very clear to say this, from top to bottom. We didn't open the way to God. God opened the way to humanity. And I've been reconciled. I love this little word reconciled. It's a church word, so we don't, we don't say it a lot. But to be brought back to its original state of harmony. Let me say it like this. You get what Adam lost. Walking with God in the cool of the day. Hearing God, knowing God, loving God, feeling God, sensing God, being led by God, working for God, working with God. Loving God, being loved by God. I'm back to the, in Christ, I'm back to the original state. What Adam gave up, Jesus bought back with his blood. And, and because of that, when I say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin, when I say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, when I say, Jesus, take my life, here's what he does with that life. He takes it and he makes me holy, blameless, and without a single fault. And you go, but I still got faults. I know. But when you go to God, he sees you in your righteousness that he paid for.
in Christ, that term, in Christ, quote, in Christ or in him, is said 180 times in the New Testament. In Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. Sam Coleman, can you come up here real quick? I got since you're at this service. Yeah, you got to come up. Sorry, you're. Come on. Sorry. Just, I don't know, go up the stairs. Come up here. Stop. Stop fighting the man of God. Just come, stand right, just stand right in the middle there. You're going to preach one day anyway, so you might as well get used to it. Just stand. Face them. Face, yeah, stay. I'm in Christ. And if you want to mess with me, you got, you got to mess with him. I'm in. That's why I pray, in the name of Jesus. How are you so bold when you pray? Because I don't have to look at me when I pray. When I pray, in the name of Jesus, because I'm in Christ. And the devil goes, but you did that, and you got frustrated there, and you sinned there, and you were angry there, and you dealt with that there, and you struggling with that there. I don't have to do, I don't have to mess with any of that, because I'm not praying in the name of Jabin. I'm hiding behind what the scripture called the cleft of the rock. I get to hide behind the rock that is Christ. And I'm in Christ. I'm in him. And now he does all the heavy lifting because he goes first. Thank you. Okay, thank you. I know that you didn't like that. Micah. In the Old Testament, prophesies, I see the, the breaker coming. That's what, that's what Micah called the Messiah. The breaker who goes before us, breaking through. When I'm in Christ, Christ goes first, and all I have to do is follow. You're in Christ. When the people sinned in the Old Testament, God said, you're going to have to bring a sacrifice. And God wanted their best. They had to give their best. So he said, I, I, want, I want a firstborn lamb, or I want a spotless lamb, or I want, I want your best. When you bring a sacrifice to me, it's got to be the best. Um, in other words, you couldn't come annually to bring your sacrifice and find your most jacked up goat, or we got that three-legged mule over there. <laughs> I <laughs> got that chicken that's walking in circles. We'll bring that chicken. No. You had to bring your best. And when you would go to the temple to offer your sacrifice, you would, bring, you would bring your sacrifice and you would hand it to the priest. And the priest, this is, uh, this is Exodus 12, Leviticus 1, Leviticus 5. The priest would inspect, watch this, the sacrifice. The priest would not inspect the sinner because the sinner's already a sinner. So you wouldn't bring your sacrifice and the priest who goes, how you been, how you been treating your wife? You been, you been good to her? How you been with the kids? You been giving them enough time? Are you, you tithing? You, t- you, up, you up on your tithe? You caught up? You serving? You on the, you on the serve team yet? You, you join, have, you become a, have you gone through next steps yet? What are you waiting for? 
You still cussing? You still slipping? <laughs> now listen, I think, you, I think we should work on all that stuff. I'm going to get there. Don't worry. Some of y'all are nervous. I'll get there. <laughs> the priest would look at the sacrifice without blemish and go, you're forgiven. Not because of what you've done, but because of the sacrifice. So, so, so John sees Jesus in John chapter 1 verse 29 and he goes, Behold the Lamb. Behold the sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. And when God sees you, he don't see you. He sees Jesus. I don't know how to say it any better. I don't know how to. Oh, what a savior. Redeeming friend. You paid the cost. You took my sin. My past forgotten. My sin erased. So, so in Hebrews 9, the Bible said that while Jesus was dead, he went to heaven and he did not spill your blood. Because what's our blood going to do? The scripture said he poured his blood on the mercy seat. Grace saves us. All right, that's all good, Javen, but we're going to live right. Praise God. Hallelujah. We do. We do. We do. I do. So relax. But you got to start there. You got to start there. Because if it's, if it's God's against me and I'm trying to earn, you'll, you'll, always, you'll, you'll never worship God. You'll actually always be a little bit mad at God. will always be a, a bitter root in you because you're going, this is too hard. Yes, it's too hard. Because it's perfection. So you have to come to the point where you go, I'm just going to throw up my hands and say, God, your grace is sufficient. Okay, but now in my last five minutes, but grace does change us. May have the team come or I'll never stop preaching. Grace changes us. Grace changes us. This same good news that came to you, this is verse 6. It's, it's changed your lives. And it's, and it's changing lives. A grace that doesn't change us is not God's grace. A grace that doesn't change us is not God's grace. It's something else. I don't know what it is, but it's not God's grace. Because grace will change you. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 6 and said, so do we just keep sinning so that grace will abound? Of course not. Literally, in the Greek language, it would be better to say impossible. Impossible. 
You can't sin so grace abounds. You can't do what you want and say grace. Paul says that's impossible. No, 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 of course not. Of, of course there's grace when we sin, but we are not trying to abuse that grace. Yeah, is that all right? So now we get to water baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism doesn't save you. If baptism saved you, then the man, the thief on the cross that Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, then if if baptism saved you, then Jesus was lying because that man never got baptized. But if you're saved, if you've... If you really believe point one, the first response to point one is water baptism. I'm going to show it to you. Because water baptism, oh, it got quiet. I love this. Because water baptism is the first act of obedience to the believer in Jesus. It's not a next step. It's the next step. It's, 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 it's it. Are, are you saying, James, if I'm in baptized, are you saying I'm not saved? I'm saying you're in disobedience. And how are you going to obey all this other stuff if you haven't obeyed the first thing? I'm just teeing you up and letting all everybody's blood pressure go up before I give you. I'm going to give you scripture. Don't worry. I know it's awkward in here. Because we don't like legalism, and I don't like legalism. But this is our, this is our response to salvation. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that Christ was raised, uh, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The beginning of your new life in Christ begins at baptism. We, we die to our old life, raise into new life. For we have been united with him in death. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his for for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin when I give my life to Christ I come alive but when I'm water baptized I die so that he can resurrect me into a brand new expression of life. It's serious. And it's not serious in churches anymore. But it's serious because some of you, I'm telling you, many of you are looking at your life going, why can't I get free from that? Why this and why that? Why that? Have you died yet? Well, I did when I was like 12, but I don't remember. Like, okay, then, it, then this is your month. Well, when I was a kid, my parents brought me to the Catholic church. They sprinkled me. Okay, no, this is your month. What are you waiting for? Let me just read the Bible. What are you waiting for? 
get up, be baptized. Wash your sins away. Calling on his name. These are the words of a man named Ananias, not the, the, the one who died. There's another Ananias. There's another one in the Bible. These are the words of Ananias. This is the man that led the apostle Paul to the Lord after his encounter. And Ananias went, you saved? I'm saved, man. You've been born again? I've been born again. You're starting a new life? I'm starting a new life. Then what are you waiting for? Paul's like, I got saved three minutes ago. (laughs) That is Paul's testimony of his conversion experience. And Paul said, when I I went into the water, it it wasn't just hair gel and makeup left in the water. It wasn't just a little bit of moose left in the water. It wasn't just... My sins were left in the water. How does all that work theologically? I'm not sure, but I know that communion is more than a snack. Marriage is more than a contract. And baptism is more than a pool party. I wish I had a church at 845 in the morning. And when I, when I die to my old life, I get to be raised. In a new life. It's powerful. It's spiritual. It's supernatural. It, no, it don't save you. Don't come argue with me after about, no, I understand that. But I'm just, if you're saved. If you're really saved, I said, Leanne's down here. I'm gonna embarrass her real quick since she's single. Leanne, if a, if a man ever comes up to you and goes, "Baby, I love you, girl. I want to get married, but I want to keep it on the DL," I'm gonna say, Leanne, introduce me to this man so I can lay my hands on him suddenly. Because what I would tell her is, "Girl, he don't love you." If he won't go public, if he won't buy the ring, if he, if he can't even change his Facebook status, if he can't, I would be concerned if, if he said, marry me, but we're going to live in separate homes and marry me, but no one's going to know. I would go, oh, he says he loves you, but man, I don't. I'm a Christian, I don't have to get baptized. I guess, just like you don't have to kiss your wife or like you don't have to buy a ring or like you don't have to have a ceremony or like you don't have to let people know you're married. Yeah, I guess. But boy, there's something weird. (laughs) It's odd. I have grace, I don't need anything. I don't need to be baptized. I guess, yeah, you're right, yeah, like technically, yeah. But I never want to live my life on a technicality. Because God's into the heart. That makes it, he's it like. So there's something in me that goes, I'm, I'm all in, God. You know, I was tired yesterday. I guess I could have looked at that guy when he pointed at the Bible. Oh, yeah, 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 I read the Bible, yeah. I went, I'm a preacher. 
Because you never know when you're going to have those kind of opportunities. And I got his number, and I invited him to church. I hope, he's, I hope he comes today. And I... Because I want to be bold about my faith. I raised my hand. I got given the card. I know that's great. That's a great first step. But, but let me tell you, the step of public declaration of the fact that you're holy and blameless and without fault is water baptism. And once you've taken your first step of obedience, now something can start in your life. It's, it's the foundational obedient act of the Christian. The foundational obedient act of the sinner is to believe. But the, but the foundational obedient act of the believer is to be baptized. Hallelujah. It's almost like I teed this up for water baptisms today. I'm believing for hundreds of people this month to go public, to put a ring on it, and to say, I'm a child of God. Amen. Grace grace saves us. Grace changes us. Grace, point number three, next week. Next week. I'm out of time. Amazing grace. Lord, I'm so grateful for your grace. You know, if I preach a sermon like this and it doesn't lead to gratitude, I've I've really missed it somewhere in the sermon. So I just wonder today if you're grateful for that grace, unearned, undeserved, unmerited, would you just lift your hands all over the room and just thank him. Just thank him, just worship him, just, just praise him a second, just... Don't have to earn it. Don't have to change your mind. I'm not turning your heart today, God. I'm not twisting your arm. I'm just receiving from the open hand of my God, of my Father. Grace, 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 grace. I'm so grateful for grace. I'm so grateful, God, that you're not against us, but you're for us. Ooh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Let a thank you, let a thank you just come right out of your heart. Thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, what a Savior. Redeemed.